0: This is the BearCast, presented by Bird Colchin Ford. Bird Colchin Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. The BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer.
1: Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome into the BearCast on 365 Sports, powered by Sikkim365.com. I'm Craig Smoke, joined as always by Grayson Grundhafer, got Jack McKenzie and Garrett Ross behind the scenes producing. Definitely appreciate uh, their help as always. And uh, another big week with a lot of headlines, a lot of movement, a lot of transfer portal stuff. And Little bit of hoops to uh, add in as well, but I uh, do appreciate everybody who's tuning in. And uh, yeah, second week in a row of going live on YouTube. But for the folks who usually catch us on the podcast after the fact uh, that always listen, uh, we do appreciate you as well. But uh, Grayson, another busy week. And uh, we've actually got those some time parameters here, whereas the last few weeks have just been kind of like, you know, everybody refers to it as the Wild Wild West. Um, We've actually got a close, an end date that's uh, coming up here in just, what, a couple of days uh, to the transfer portal. This first window, uh, it's been a very active window for Baylor football. They've been. You know, all over the place uh, in terms of, of picking up guys, losing guys, and and just trying to find their way to to reshape this roster. So, a couple of days ago, man, uh, are we kind of feeling okay about where they are? I know we're gonna break down the the latest biggest commitment, which was huge at a huge position of need, but. Just what what have you made of these last couple of weeks, last month of of activity?
2: Well, I mean, it's been really important because, like we talked about, that was a huge visit weekend that they had where they had all the transfers on campus. And um, they figured out a way to have a lot of success from that weekend. They obviously found their quarterback in the transfer portal. They addressed some other positions of need. Um, They even did that in the first kind of bit of the transfer portal where they found a wide receiver that – Could be their wide receiver one in Keetron Jackson. They found a really good running back in Dominic Richardson, address the offensive line. Like they've done a lot of really important things for this roster. And now we got a couple days left. And really, the only thing that I see, really, you know, when you're looking at it is, you know, could they bring in another quarterback who we've talked about? Maybe a Tristan Jibia from um, Oregon State. Um, Maybe they look at cornerback, which, again, is still kind of puzzling that they only have taken one cornerback at this point um, with Isaiah Dunson. I I feel like that's another area to address. But in general, Craig, I think we've talked about it quite a bit. I I know we've written about a lot on the site, but what they've done so far— has been just almost a complete roster turnover. And not to the level that it's like Oklahoma State or anything like that, but just very much addressing positions of need and bringing in guys who they feel like are upgrades at those positions of need. Um, And it's been really fantastic to watch and something that, frankly, they should have done uh, before last season as
0: well.
1: Well, there was one big name departure that we'll get to, a fan favorite that is no longer on the roster. Uh, and the running back room needed to have something to give. So we've had that movement now. And, um, you know, these next two days will be probably relatively quiet, I would think. I know there's been a couple of things out there, but it's very hazy on whether that's going to happen in time. I think we both are thinking of the same thing yeah. um, just because of how the whole process works. We'll, we'll say right. that. But, um, Leaving that for I guess a later date uh, because there 's only about you know two days left like like we mentioned now before the the window let 's get into what 's happened most recently and, and rather than starting off with with the departure uh, at running back. Uh, Let's start with the addition at quarterback because that was the big news since we last talked to everybody last week. We talked about Sawyer Robertson. We talked about you know other options there at quarterback. Although he was really the guy that had been kind of red sharpie circled uh, on the list and was the main priority. Uh, Well, he committed. uh, What was it like a day later? I believe he made it official. He's been on 365 Sports various you know interviews uh, with the radio show with with you on the website as well. Uh, Comes over from Mississippi State, a Lubbock kid, uh, or Lubbock young man, I should say. Uh, One of the, you know, last Mike Leach guys. And uh, just a a guy with a really good head on his shoulders from when we talked to him a few days ago. Really likable. You can just kind of tell you know he 's a quarterback he 's a leader uh, he 's got uh, a, the right outlook on kind of what he 's walking into and uh, he 's obviously excited about the the opportunity as well but tell us about Sawyer Robertson answering the big quarterback question for Baylor uh, in terms of that question being they needed somebody anybody to just be in the room with Blake Shapin, a scholarship quarterback, so now they 've got a second scholarship quarterback. They still need another one, mm-hmm. um, so you can address that as well. Uh, but this is a, a position that you know was extremely critical after the Austin Nova sad flip on signing day, and so they had to scramble. And well, I mean. A young quarterback with multiple years, um, you know, a guy that Mike Leach obviously liked, as we mentioned. What do you like about Sawyer Robertson and how big was this to land him last week?
2: Yeah, so I guess let's kind of start with why this decision was made. I think the backstory of it is really important, but obviously he went to Mississippi State. Um, to be coached by Mike Leach. And Mike Leach was a guy who he uh, admired. Obviously, he lived in Lubbock. So he got to see kind of that golden age during the Mike Leach era and really wanted to be, as he told you on the radio, uh, a quarterback for Mike Leach and, and be that next Graham Harrell, be that next guy who goes in uh, and puts up these huge numbers and leads a high powered offense. Um, And I think, you know, during his time at Mississippi State, he felt great about that, right? And obviously Mike Leach passing away um, played a huge role in his decision to enter the transfer portal, as did the fact that Will Rogers was going to be the starting quarterback for them next year. I mean, that's a guy that's thrown for uh, over 10,000 yards during his career. He's got another year that he's coming back for. Like, he's going to be the starter there. Um, So I think Sawyer kind of saw those two things and decided to enter the transfer portal. Now, once he did that, it was very much... Baylor-TCU. Those were his first two contacts, first two calls. He wanted to get closer to home, went and visited both of those schools, went to TCU during their uh, prep week uh, for the national championship. He was there, actually got to watch a national championship practice, um, got to talk to all the staff, um, has a good relationship with Sonny Dykes, who recruited him out of high school. Also, Sonny Dykes, of course, with that West Texas connection as well. Um, Let me make this very clear. It was a very tough decision for him. He visited Baylor as well, loved his visit at Baylor. Baylor was the favorite uh, when he entered the portal. Uh, based on everything I've reported, I, I, he they were the favorite. But TCU gave him a lot to think about. Um, I would also say that he didn't know that Garrett Riley was going to leave to Clemson, yeah. so probably very happy that he made the decision that he did. Um, but at the end of the day, this was a head-to-head battle with a program that everyone continued to say after they made the national championship was going to win every recruiting battle against Baylor was going to have all this momentum. Um, Baylor won a huge battle at a position of need. And um, I'm not even going to sit here and say that Baylor has a better situation in their quarterback room. Cause Chandler Morris is a very capable quarterback in their room as well. And won the starting job over Duggan and going into the season. So All this to say, Sean Bell, great job. Dave Randa, great job. Jeff Grimes, great job. This is key for them after losing Austin Novosad. They had to figure out a way to add another uh, strong arm to the room, a guy who could actually come in and compete. And I actually think in the short term especially, this is a bigger ad than Austin would have been because I don't think Austin was ready to come in and be the starting quarterback at Baylor this next season, whereas I think Sawyer Robertson comes in much more ready to do that, ready to compete. 6'4", 215, Austin was like 6'3", 180 pounds. Like, there was just going to be an adjustment curve there that you're not going to see with Sawyer. So I think you're seeing a guy that could come in, again, compete immediately. Um, didn't play a lot at Mississippi State. That's the question mark, right? He hasn't done a ton, doesn't have a lot on film there. But during his time at Lubbock Coronado, threw for over twelve thousand yards, threw for over one hundred and forty touchdowns. Was Gatorade Player of the Year his senior year? Uh, was top one hundred and fifty prospect in the entire country? Is the the highest ranked recruit Baylor's ever land at the quarterback position outside of Jarrett Stidham uh, since the rankings have been you know kind of into effect. I know they've had some guys back in the past, Odell James, but. Um, it's huge. I mean, this is a guy that picked Mississippi State over Arizona State, Arkansas, Louisville, Texas, TCU, USC. Um, chose Mississippi State to go play baseball and football. And, and now he's coming back to Baylor. And Baylor addressed a major position of need, like you said, and won a huge head-to-head battle uh, for a really good quarterback that I think is going to come in and give Blake Shape and all he can handle during this competition.
1: So uh, Baylor gets their quarterback, makes good on the Austin Novasad loss, and uh, now we'll, as we'll get into a little bit further, go looking for a third quarterback before all is said and done. Because uh, you're not going to go in the next season with just two guys on scholarship, or at least you'd you'd rather not do that and you'd avoid that at all costs. But scholarships are tight at the moment. What we do know is there's been a couple of departures. Uh, let's start off on the recruiting front first, and then it gets into the man who also coached this, this guy, uh, because they're both gone now at this point. But, uh, attrition wise, we've seen this for the last month. It's like two guys leave, two guys join, two guys leave, two guys join to where we're now at. I think it's 10 new guys and nine departures, uh, or, like 9-9, nine and nine. it's it's pretty even, and I know they're not done adding, and I know they're probably not done subtracting, but uh, Craig Squirrel Williams uh, putting out a graphic last week, just a few days ago, a matter of fact, kind of towards the end of the week, announcing that uh, he was, in fact, going to enter the transfer portal. This led to a bunch of people going like, wait, what? Because Squirrel is a fan favorite. Uh, if he was not beloved, then I don't think people would have batted an eye, but the fact that he is is why people are like, what's going on even though they're all well aware because anybody who's followed Baylor football for the last four years is well aware he's had a very spotty injury history that's prevented him from being all that he could probably be and that's been unfortunate because it's clear when he is healthy that he's a fantastic player I mean he's He's sensational uh, with the ball in his hands at full health, but we just saw it so rarely, you know? And even the games where he was healthy, he still wasn't really healthy because they'd use him like 50% of what he'd probably use a, a guy in yeah. that situation. So we just could never really fully wrap our arms around Squirrel, the player, as much as we probably wanted to. But no doubt that he was a guy that that people loved and will be cheering for. And that our fingers crossed, hoping does not play in the Big Twelve because we've just had way too much crossover right. over the last year or so. Uh, but he's going to find a landing spot. It's unfortunate that he's not going to finish his career out in green and gold. Uh, on track, I think, to get his degree he hasn't graduated yet, though. Um, but you know, could you know, should walk away with his Baylor degree. So that hopefully, yeah, yeah, you would hope so. Um, but you know, that is you know still in the works and. You know, I don't think that anybody's going to, to begrudge him for his decision, especially when it sounds like he was kind of like a, you know, a, a little, hey, might want to look elsewhere or mutual. I don't know how you want to break it down there because I'm just kind of trying to read the tea leaves a little bit. It seemed, based on his father's tweet, like they weren't expecting it. Um, yeah. But you knew something had to happen in the running back room because there's just a lot of numbers there right now. So your thoughts, Squirrel Williams into the transfer portal And, you know, that's, I believe, nine or ten guys now as far as uh, exits go. Yeah, I personally think it's more of a situation where they
2: wanted Squirrel back. And they didn't have the room to bring him back. That's kind of where I lie. Um, now, I know there's been tweets suggesting that this was just like, you're left out in the cold. like we're, You know what I mean? That's kind of how that tweet sounded,
1: to be frank. To father's?
2: Yeah, just like, oh, yeah. It yeah. came
1: across as just like, Deceited,
2: shocked. Like, lied to almost. I don't, I don't even
1: know about that. I just read it as like, they were shocked by it. They were not expecting to be told, like, we don't have room for you. And, and I don't know, it... It didn't come across to me as, like, real negative, but surprise, yes. And maybe yeah. I need to reread it, but I, I didn't – it wasn't, like, overly negative. Like, I can't believe they betrayed us type of a thing. It wasn't that. It was just a a, a surprise, like I yeah. said.
2: Yeah, it, it was it was interesting, right, the timing of it all. So, yeah. I, I think that it uh, – to me, based on reading the situation, they have a bunch of running backs in their room. They went out, got Dominic Richardson. So, they added another guy to the room and, and – to be honest with you, they added a guy that more so fits kind of what they need for next season. And so if you look at their depth charts, like Richard Reese is probably the best running back on their roster. You had Dominic Richardson, who is more of like a power back, move the chains, uh, great compliment to Richard Reese type. Um, then they also have Quaylen Jones, who had a very productive season this past year and showed his worth as far as pass blocking, receiving, just well-rounded. Um So to have a fourth running back I think is really hard to justify when you have so many other needs on the roster. Squirrel was going to be a super senior. Now we can debate how many years of eligibility he has left because it might be a lot more than we think just because of all the medical stuff. Um but I just want to say could just kind of my thought process on it like I love Squirrel as a player I love Squirrel as a person like I've never seen or heard anything but great things from Squirrel and I hope he goes and kills it wherever he goes cuz during his time at Baylor I'm sure it's been really frustrating I know it's been frustrating for him and I know it's been frustrating for fans just the simple fact that you see a guy with this much talent and just has not consistently been healthy uh, throughout his career so I wish him well. Unfortunate situation. A guy who, I, again, I think Baylor would have loved to have back. It, it just didn't quite work out for both sides.
1: That leads us to uh, another departure: Justin Johnson, running backs coach. This was uh, a little bit out of nowhere as well, and all a result of Oklahoma making a hire from Texas Tech staff. Uh, they grab Emmett Jones to, uh, you know, join their uh, offensive um, coaching staff, uh, and obviously we're. Uh very familiar with you know Oklahoma and Jeff Levy and, and what they do, but they had an opening all of a sudden and uh they go looking to Lubbock to grab Emmett Jones and as a result, Joey McGuire, who's very familiar with the you know, what goes on in Waco and the staff here. Uh he all of a sudden goes looking and I know it didn't take him long to know where he wanted to go because it was a guy that he wanted to get last year and Fortunately for Baylor, they were able to hold on to him at the time just because there was a lot of moving parts and whatnot. Uh, But Justin Juice Johnson, now joining the Texas Tech staff, uh, leaving as Baylor running back's coach to go become the... Gosh, how many titles does he have? He's the Mm -hmm. passing game coordinator, he's the wide receivers coach, and he's the assistant head coach. So... He added some titles, at least two, uh, and I'm sure got a little pay bump as well, but that's not what eventually tilted him. I mean, this was something that Joey had been you know, trying to make happen for uh, about a year since he took over the job uh, last season, and Juice goes ahead and makes the move. Uh, and so now Baylor is on the search for a running backs coach, and you had the Squirrel Williams news kind of coinciding with that. And so it was just sort of interesting that – um you know also did, hey is squirrel leaving because juice is, le- is squirrel going to tech you know I saw some yeah, of that out there I don't think that they're all that related I think it's just you know kind of the, the way things broke uh but your thoughts on Justin Johnson heading off to Texas Tech uh you know recruiting wise just uh perception wise kind of how do you view that move uh that loss and now what Baylor goes and uh, does from here at the running back spot. Yeah, Juice is awesome. He's a great coach, a guy who's
2: done great things for Baylor as the running back's coach. Um, You know, what he did and I know a lot of it is also offensive line. Like, it's an entire offense. I understand that, but, you know, what he did with Abram and Tristan Ebner um, in 2021 and then this past year in 2022, even though the year wasn't great, they still ran the ball very effectively. And even with the running backs having all those injuries, having to start a true freshman, um, you know, going with Quaylon Jones, who really hadn't played a lot of meaningful snaps in his career and being able to get a lot out of him. I was very impressed by what I saw from Juice this year as an on-the-field coach. And Again, I think this is a very good hire by Tech. I'm curious, the passing coordinator type thing. I know he he was an all-conference wide receiver, so I don't think that that's going to be a tough adjustment for him. Um, But it is interesting to see that shift just because we've seen him as the running backs coach at Baylor. Um, So curious to see how he does. I'm sure he's going to do great. Very good coach, like I mentioned. On the recruiting side of things, also very good there. Um, And a guy that was very reliable, uh, relating to players, talking to players, getting guys to visit Baylor, getting guys to have a lot of interest in Baylor. Um, That's a big reason why Joey McGuire brought him there is because of that recruiting acumen um, and that resume. And so, yeah, this is a tough loss. Baylor's gonna have to figure out a way to go hire someone who can come in and fill that void as a recruiter and, of course, as a coach. Um, smart hire by Tech, very good hire by Tech, and Baylor's now just gonna have to respond and find a guy that can come in and step in for him. Uh, but I'm also not gonna sugarcoat this and say that um, this was a you know this was something that Baylor was fine. With happening like right. they weren't they wanted him to come back they wanted him to continue to be on staff because they valued what he brought to the table
1: yeah no it's it's a loss um it's somebody that they wanted to keep around like you said but it's somebody that texas tech really wanted badly um i totally get it you know dave aranda goes to the lsu well uh, and has a few times so that's what you do i just hate it from the Baylor. like it's great for tech but I just, I wish there was less crossover at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I would really enjoy talking about them <laughs> a lot more if there wasn't, like, the constant crossover it feels right. like. And I totally get why. Like, don't get me wrong. But now it's like when I view it, it's like, okay, so they just grabbed a guy who's been here this entire offseason, knows all of the recruiting ins and outs, knows the off season plans. Like, you know what I yeah. mean? And so that's going to benefit an enemy and and that's you know that's something that's just part of the deal it's part of the gig they could very well go and hire a tech coach for you know all we know but it's just like man you just went through this whole last month of the off season and all that information and all that's just going out to the team that's going to play you again next year and that's and that's just you know the way it is uh, in college football but yeah, I, I just wish there was a little bit less crossover. But, yeah. but I mean, that's a good get for Texas Tech. Yeah, and this was this was tough for Baylor because they just
2: simply didn't have all these openings to, to go out yeah. and add all these titles, I don't think. And so, uh, you know, Tech offered him a very good opportunity. He took it. I also don't think that, I, I think if everything was equal, I don't think Juice would have left. I mm-hmm. think they just, I don't think things were equal. You know what I mean? As far as what Baylor could offer versus Tech. and mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where things lie there. Again, tough loss. Is Juice irreplaceable? There's no way they can figure out a way to replace him and find someone who can do as good of a job? No. Baylor can do that. Baylor can find someone who can come in, fit what they're trying to build. Um, but like you said, very good hire by Tech for sure, a guy that Baylor would have liked to have kept.
1: Uh, meanwhile, uh, in addition, or I guess uh, not in addition so much as somebody deciding to stay as all these personnel moves, whether it be coaching staff or players you know, in the portal or whether it be uh, commitments, you know, just straight up high school recruiting, uh, but also decisions, guys making the decision to stay or go. As we mentioned, you know, Squirrel Williams, that's a, that's a portal story because he's now in that and exploring all of his options. And wouldn't surprise me to <laughs> see him in Lubbock. That would yeah. just be very fitting. Uh, I but, would hate to see that. I mean, and so is, would Baylor fans, My Right. Goodness. but I mean, it's, it's what I'm saying. It's yeah. like God, this, 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 the last thing you want to see, but it's like almost you, you almost expect it. But I don't know what their situation is. So regardless, I just hope he he lands in a good spot. But it would be kind of nice to just be able to watch him and not have to worry yeah. about like seeing him show up at McLean Stadium next year. Go to Nebraska, yeah. Okay, go, please, yeah. just go to Nebraska so we can all enjoy you still. But no, in all seriousness, uh, he made the decision to go. Uh, you know. We've already described the situation there, but one player who made the decision to stay, uh, a big one on the defensive line, is T.J. Franklin, Temple High School uh, alum, just down the road. Uh, ride the Baylor four years ago, started playing right away as a true freshman, and he is coming back for a fifth year, so the defensive line won't be totally depleted uh, when it suits up next season, and they're still you know, a decision or two to be made on, you know, a couple of other guys. Like what happens with Gabe Hall? Like yep. what what are, what are we going to see as far as that goes? But TJ Franklin, you could very well have written him off as, you know, going ahead and moving on, but pretty big news that he's staying for a fifth year. Yeah, it's huge. I
2: mean, to have someone that has, you know, provides the stability that he does to the defensive line is huge. And he had a very nice year this year. Uh, I don't think to the level that, he would have wanted, um, but that, that went for the whole defense, right? Uh, he had 35 tackles, one and a half sacks, three for loss, uh, but during his career, eight sacks, 18 tackles for loss. This is the guy who I expect to come out next year and have a very, very impactful season, um, and like you said, it's huge that he comes back because Baylor doesn't have a ton of depth up front, Um, I would also say the fact that they haven't really gone out and tried to recruit a ton of defensive linemen from the portal, I think is pretty telling of how they feel about the situation going into spring ball. Uh, they added Jarrell Boykins, who's a Juco kid uh, that will play nose tackle. But outside of that, they haven't really addressed any area of need, which makes me think that, um, you know, obviously getting TJ Franklin back is huge, but it also makes me think that maybe Gabe Hall um, is coming back as well, just because of the simple fact that. If he was leaving, I mean, how are you going to, what are you going to do to address the defensive line? Like, they don't have a lot of bodies and they're all very young. So, uh, just something that I've kind of been thinking on there as well. But getting TJ back gives them stability there, gives them someone up front who they can absolutely rely on, gives them a veteran, gives them a leader in the locker room. I mean, all of these things are massive for this Baylor program. You can't you can't even find a transfer that's like T.J. Franklin. That's how big this is.
1: Yeah, it's huge uh, to have him back with all of his experience. You know, not a guy that you have to, like some of these young guys, get in there and get him in the weight room. Like he's already been through that whole process. He's a yeah. grizzled guy at this point. So they need some of that. They need some of the leadership aspect too. And so I think that's a, a really big get that you weren't necessarily – just banking on having when the season ended. I mean, you thought there was a possibility – but it was by no means a sure thing. So right. to get that news and to have it official, especially when there's so many parts coming and going, I think that's a big one for, for this defense next year. And for Matt Palage, obviously, being a new defensive yeah. coordinator, that's a key piece for him. And again, like, if you knew he was gone, then they would have had to
2: address the transfer portal massively. Like, we're talking about the guys on their roster right now that are, you know, you got Jarrell Boykins, who's a nose tackle. Then you have Trey Wilson, who's an incoming freshman, Devontae Tizino, a redshirt freshman. Trey Emery, a redshirt freshman. That is all you have on the defense line. <laughs> Outside of TJ Franklin and Gabe Hall. Like, they're just is simply, they would have had to go out and really pursue guys if they were going to need to replace him. Um, so, gladly, they don't have to. They're going to get him back. They're going to get a chance to develop their young guys. Um, and then, hopefully, when TJ does leave next year, they'll have a lot of replacements for them. Uh, but, yeah, getting him back makes me feel a whole lot better about their defense front.
1: So here in a couple weeks, maybe there will be a podcast that only goes like at a half hour because there's a lack of news, but my gosh, it's been a very busy uh, last month or so. So just in the last few days, you got Juice Johnson leaving for Texas Tech. You've got TJ Franklin deciding to come back. Squirrel Williams enters the transfer portal. Sawyer Robertson commits and gets in their big quarterback commit. I mean, that's all been... In the last six, seven days. Their enrollees arrive. Which I'm about to get to. But, uh, I mean, that's, you know, personnel-wise, a lot of moving parts. So, uh, now on the hunt for a running backs coach. I don't know. Scuttlebutt on the board seems to indicate that might not be too long of a wait. But I don't know. Yeah. Um, You know, is that trending the way? Are we looking Pac-12 guy? Or is 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 there a name out there that seems like a... A surefire thing at this point i know that one of the rumors was the oregon state running backs coach i saw him on like a tweet and then i think there's some scuttlebutt about him on the board seen a couple of other names is there anybody though that you'd say like yeah pay attention to this guy or anything like that
2: yeah i mean there's probably a couple i think yeah i've seen the or, the the rumors of the pac 12 as well so maybe that's something to to keep an eye on too and and i i you know i really liked uh joe price at utsa as well he was yeah that was another name, name. yeah um but yeah, the, those are a couple guys that I would keep an eye on. The the Baylor staff, though, I think is looking to address this rather quickly. Like I can't imagine this lingering much longer. Um, so we should know a name here in the near future. But yeah, they've um, they've I think they're going to address it pretty quick, and they need to because uh, they he's got to come in and meet all these guys, get used to the program, understand, um, you know, Jeff Grimes' scheme going into the spring. This is an important hire and one that again, like you don't want to string along too far.
1: Yep, so uh, should be getting word on that probably before the end of the week I would, I would think. Guess, yeah. Uh and it's only Tuesday so there's still plenty of time with that but yeah, just threw a couple of names out there but there's, you know, other ways they could end up going. Uh so we'll see on that front and you know, that's a, a room, too. They need to figure out what's going on with Tamek Williams. Is he going to be a part of the mix or not after missing pretty much the entire season with a concussion suffered in the BYU game in week number two? We've heard no updates uh, on him whatsoever. Uh, and so now you have the Squirrel Williams piece, and you just wonder, okay, who's going to be in that room? Uh, is is Tay Williams, in fact, going to still be a part of the, the group or not? So uh, I think that's, you know not so much the running backs coach is going to come in and answer that question, but as far as that room goes, that's what I'm now most curious about mm-hmm. outside of that that hire is, okay, now what can we know about Tamek Williams? And that right. will uh, help answer some other questions as well. All right, so, um, you know, in terms of – what you just mentioned a second ago, and this also applies to running backs because one of these guys is a running back and uh, will be a part of the the mix probably from the very get-go, you would think. Uh, the early enrollees, guys starting to arrive on campus. Uh, this is members of the 2023 class, but you're also having transfers, uh, right, starting to make their way in as well. So they're there when you yeah. combine the transfers and you combine the early enrollees from the 2023 class, you're looking at, what, like 20 guys? Uh, when all is said and done. And I'm going to list off who you have checked off as early enrollees and let me know if they're on campus now, all right? Yeah. So running back, Bryson Washington. Yep. Uh, tight end, Matthew Klofenstein. Mm-hmm. Sign. Uh, wide receiver, Micah Gifford. Yep. Defensive end, Trey Wilson. Carl Williams, the fourth cornerback out of Baton Rouge. Uh, let's see here. Wes Tucker, offensive lineman out of Argyle. Tight end Hawkins Polly out of H-Town. Punter Palmer Williams out of North Kakalaka. And defensive tackle Jarrell Boykins.
2: Yes, and one more, uh, Caden Jenkins. The cornerback out okay. of Louisville as well. He was kind of one of the, the later um, guys who I found out was early enrolling. So he's another one. Um, I believe, I don't know this for sure, but I believe he took the spot of Calvin Clements, who was going to early enroll um and, and i think went to Kate, kansas right right so he flipped kansas so they i think they ended up having room for like 10 or 11 they ended up taking 10 uh in the early enrollee part obviously it's not just they took 10 it's guys who are able to graduate early um that's a huge part of this as well so yeah i mean 10 guys um in the class early enrolling
1: that's a big big and those are all start. confirmed on campus mm-hmm. yeah okay, i wow. so yeah so 10 guys out of the what nine out of the high school ranks, and then Boykins out of the JUCO ranks, mm-hmm. and then you've got okay. All the transfers, all of the transfers are, are yeah. they all They're on all there? Board. Yeah. So you're talking eighteen, I believe, or nineteen. Well, let's see here. I got my I got my fancy list. I've been putting together in uh, the numbers app. So Sawyer Robertson. Yeah. Is he already on campus? I think so. Yeah. I okay. think he already
2: moved in because classes start today. Yeah. yeah so I, think I just don't know how all that works. At yeah. This I think point. they all moved in this weekend.
1: Every single, like, I think okay. everyone you're going to list. Well, I'll just, let's I'll just yeah. go over them here. Sawyer Robertson, uh, Campbell and Clark Barrington, the offensive line mm-hmm. brothers from BYU. Keytron Jackson, wide receiver Arkansas, Oak State running back Dominic Richardson, North Texas tight end Jake Roberts. Miami defensive back Isaiah Dunson, Liberty linebacker Mike Smith, Michigan State kicker Jack Stone, and uh, that's it as far as uh, yeah. the names go. Uh, so, so yeah, the nine 19, guys.
2: So nineteen total guys enrolled over the weekend. Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, that's that's a pretty big turnover.
1: Mm-hmm. Pretty big turnover. It is.
2: Yep, and there'll be more coming uh, through the portal potentially uh, going into fall camp, and then of course uh, all the guys who arrive in the summer all the recruits as well there. So, yeah, lots of roster additions.
1: Yes, there is. So, yeah, around 20 new faces, uh, you know, from the portal and uh, the recruiting ranks. And that, you know, I I have found it funny that people who were anti-portal like a year ago have suddenly been like, this is kind of awesome because Mm -hmm. Baylor's so active. Like, if Baylor had added, like, four guys, I don't know how awesome people would think it was just because it would probably be, you know, like – very sporadic feeling, but the fact that it's like two guys a week for the last month, I think, has people going, this is it's pretty sweet, man. You know, mm-hmm. like, we'll see how it all works out in the long run uh, because, you know, I guess my one concern is, but, you know, you look at a team like TCU and you saw how they flipped their roster in a lot of places last year. In, the, in Oklahoma, you know, they're flipping like 30 different names yeah. on their roster, but it does beg the question of, like, you know, how much is too much in terms of, of change, mm-hmm. especially when you're talking – 20 different people from, from what your roster looked like a year ago. Is that of any concern to you at all? No, because we just saw TCU do
2: it, and it worked right. out really well. I think you don't want to build your whole program off the transfer portal, but if you can find ways to find guys who fit your program, fit what you're trying to do, maybe help you get older, then I don't see any reason why it would be you know a downgrade or any downside to it at all, you know, because you're still getting guys with eligibility or guys who are going to come in and contribute immediately. So, This year, they had to do it. You know, they they saw how they played this year, saw the areas they need to get better, uh, went out, addressed those needs uh, very aggressively. And I personally think that they should have done it last year as well, going into this year. There were areas they could have improved uh, the roster, and they didn't do it.
1: Yeah, with that Big 12 title team two years ago, they didn't need a lot. And they only went out and got, like, four guys, but they hit a grand slam with every single one of them. You know, like, even Drew Estrada was... Not super impactful statistically, but when he caught balls or when he had a return, like it was impactful, like mm-hmm. it mattered, or his blocking mattered, and they didn't have to go and get a bunch because they had such a senior-laden group, and and they ended up winning, you know, a couple championships as a result of that, and then last yeah. year given how much experience they lost, probably should have hit that way harder. Right. Probably should have hit it way harder. They yeah. should have. And I, we
2: have one comment in the YouTube chat that I just saw. Just asked me a question about um, – because I said that there could be more coming in fall, mm-hmm. for fall camp in the summer. Um, and yeah, I do think that there could be more additions going into summer as Baylor maybe loses guys after spring camp. Once guys figure out what the depth chart looks like, figures out uh, you know who's going to start, who's going to play a big role, then you'll have more guys transfer, more opportunities to go out and add guys. Um, so it does not mean that there won't be more spring additions, though. That was another question he had. I, I still think that they're going... I mean, right now, I still think that Tristan Jebbia is going to be Baylor's third quarterback going into the season. I still think that's going to happen. It's just taking a little bit more time than I thought. And, I, again, I'm still puzzled by the fact that they haven't taken a cornerback, but that might be one that they wait to address till this summer. We'll see, I guess, on that.
1: Yeah, I guess one other name that I forgot to mention, and I can't even place exactly, but Noah Rauschenberg, uh, obviously in the portal as well. I forgot to mention him. Uh, I know he's already started visiting, and uh, that was a little bit of a surprise. A guy who, you know, was a touchback king and was very reliable in that regard, and that was nice to see the last couple years. That really was, I think, a a weapon for them. Um, But he did go in the portal, and, you know, basically the explanation is scholarships, right? I mean, you've got so many tied up in special teams that you've, you know, got a bunch of guys who are in their f- fifth years, yeah, and you want to kind of hey, I'm going to get a couple more defensive backs versus having four scholarship special teamers. Well, and Noah, unfortunately,
2: never really got consistent kicking field goals. So yeah. he was literally he just was a one-man kickoff guy. Yeah, one kickoff Hard guy. Hard to use a scholarship right. on that, especially when they were able to go out and get Jack Stone, who is a walk-on at Baylor, but he was offered a full. he got a full ride at Michigan State. Um, So he is a scholarship kicker that they're getting as a walk on who I think is going to come in, be the kickoff guy, and also potentially contribute as the field goal kicker as well. So, um, you know, it's tough losing Noah. He's been so impactful for them uh, in the kickoff game. But I think Jack Stone could come in and potentially be more impactful because of the other
1: things that he can do. All right. So a lot of information to process. Uh, A couple guys in the portal, Squirrel Williams and Noah Rauschenberg, uh, bunch of guys coming out of the portal to early enroll along with you know basically half of the 2023 recruiting class so around 20 new faces uh onboarding over the last few days and getting acclimated to uh life at baylor and uh getting you know the spring semester started up running backs coach uh they're looking and uh juice johnson is now in lubbock and uh you know what else football wise anything else that we did not touch on No, the enrollees obviously that's a big one um
2: but outside of that you know it's pretty much just they got the guys on campus they're ready to go spring football should be gearing up you know at the end of March and we're just kind of getting ready for that I mean that that's where we're at right now there might be a couple more additions like we mentioned going into uh the spring but outside of that you know it's just get ready for spring football
1: all right, so let's uh, turn our attention to hoops uh, for a few minutes here, and then we'll get into the mailbag to close this on out. And we've got a bunch of questions to to sort through. might have to, to chop some of them just uh, based on time here, but we'll see how it goes. So first, starting off with uh, the Baylor men. They're in action tonight. Big game uh, against Texas Tech as uh, they come off of a 2-0 and week, and that was much needed given the way that they had started off conference play at 0-3, had dug themselves a little bit of a hole, really could not afford to be you know 1-4, and much less 0-5, but they go out and beat West Virginia in Morgantown and then get a win over Oklahoma State at home quite comfortably despite electrical issues at the Farrell Center, creating a blackout and messing with the broadcast and – You know, all of that hijinks, but they got the win... Didn't have to to break too much of a sweat against the Pokes, so that was a nice way to close out the week. But they're heading to Lubbock tonight, and I know Texas Tech's been uh, struggling a little bit, but they've got IMAC back now, and that's obviously a big boost for them. Uh, so your thoughts on the two and week, uh, how needed that was, but now what your expectations are against the Red Raiders, and mind you, uh, they'll also then turn around and go to Norman uh, later this week and take on the Sooners. So it's a it's a road trip week for Scott. Jordan. And the Baylor men. Yeah, and I, I felt like that
2: West Virginia game was kind of get the monkey off your back type of game
1: because you were 0-3. Things
2: could have snowballed really quickly. You had to find a way to get right, and it was... Very close that game. The free throws, by the way, if you watch that game, the free throws were just the <laughs> yeah. foul calls. It, it was such a what slow What was it, 53 game. fouls? I it think was it was.
1: Brutal Is that right, to watch. 53?
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it was so brutal to watch. Baylor got out of there, got out of Morgantown, got a win. That was huge. Played one of their best games of the entire season against Oklahoma State, really. Outside of that run, Oklahoma State went on to get back in it after the 13-0 start. Uh, Baylor really played well in that game, and I think it's showing signs of a team that's trending in the right direction. Uh, I know things have been mentioned about you know, LJ Cryer when he missed some uh, practice time and missed a game. Adam Flagler missed a game early in the season. I, I still think this is a team that's working on cohesion and working on getting all the parts to, to really fit. Um, and I think this is a big stretch right here because you're playing a Texas Tech team that's 0-5 in Big 12 play. You're facing an Oklahoma team that's just 2-3 and in Big 12 play, um, both on the road. Both are opportunities for them to make up for the losses that they have at home, um, and these are two really important games. Baylor needs to find a way to to at least win one, but I really think they should be able to win both, uh, heading into that huge Kansas game on big Monday next week.
1: Yeah, and it's, uh, it's a big week. Uh, Texas Tech, Oklahoma on the road, and then Kansas next Monday, as you mentioned, on the... Uh, on the ESPN platform for Big Monday. So these next three games, and then you have the SEC Challenge where you're going to face Arkansas. So, you know, these these next couple weeks will – but, I mean, then again, I could probably fast forward and just look at another couple weeks and go, they've got to play this team and that team. That's just Big 12 basketball for you.
2: Yeah, it's important right now, though, because they're 2-3, and you know. So if you're able to get these two and then maybe upset Kansas, now you've kind of flipped the Big 12 standings a little bit if you're able to do that, which is much easier said than done.
1: Yep, and they'll play Texas Tech twice. They'll get both their matchups in over, what is it, like the next three weeks. Uh, they'll they'll have both of those uh, home-and-away games. So Red Raiders tonight, that should be a really big one for for Scott, Drew, and company. And uh, meanwhile, while they're kind of starting to, to surge or at least feeling much better about things after the 2-0 the and o week, the Baylor women are going the exact opposite direction. Uh, they looked at one point about two weeks ago as though they were going to fall out of the top 25, and they managed to go grab a couple of wins and, you know, keep their spot secured. Uh, but then they turn around and lose both of their contests last week, and now for the first time in a long time, they are no longer ranked in the top 25 as um, – you know, streak was broken and I'm I was trying to find the tweet, but it was the first time so it's two thousand five I believe. Four, 2004. four four. Yep. Oh, well add another year then. Yeah, since two thousand four. So that was a long time ago. That was a really long time ago. That was a much different version of me back in 2004, let me tell you. Uh, But, yeah, losses to Oklahoma State and to West Virginia. Uh, The Oklahoma State game was at home last Wednesday. Uh, You had an opportunity there, let it slip. You lose by five and then uh, go to Morgantown and uh, can't take that one either. Garrett, uh, you follow this team on a a regular basis and and write about the the Bears for uh, the
0: website
1: Uh, How would you best summarize last week and kind of where this team is right now?
0: I would say when you look at this team, there's really a concern about your bench. You're not getting enough production off the bench. I know you've had uh, Kendra Gillespie was not available. She was dealing with some personal issues. Uh, Jana wasn't available as well, but she's starting to get her legs back under. But if you're, that's really. Kind of where this lies. You're you're relying too much on Sarah Andrews to carry the load, uh, while she's been putting up terrific numbers. It's it's the struggle around her to get the support. Their shot selection has been sketchy at times. I I, I think you. They rely too much on the three, uh, especially when it's not falling. But I have been impressed with Dariana littlepage Bugs. I think her and Sarah Andrews have been the most consistent people that you can rely on and say, night in, night out, we're going to get 110% from those two. Um, I would like to see Jaden Owens find a way to get more productive in scoring. She does a tremendous job. I mean, look, she is a true point guard. Facilitating the ball, she does excellent, but she's got to find a way to get more involved in the offense. Um, and as far as your bigs, you're still dealing with Asia, who hasn't been available. Um, I know she; I think she scored two points in this last outing at West Virginia, so that's got to be a positive sign. Yeah. Um, but Caitlin Bickle has, has really kind of carried the load there. But at times, you're getting into a point where. With only relying on one to two bigs, it's getting you in foul trouble and it's coming back to bite you in the end. So, to me, you've got to find a way to sure up the scoring off the bench in order to really kind of set the tone and make a push towards the postseason.
1: Yeah, good to, to see Asia Blackwell start to work her way back. But, um, yeah, that's uh, something that – this year's kind of been like, well, we thought we were gonna have so and so, or we thought we were gonna be this, and it's like, but you aren't, and you right. won't be, and so you've got to figure out a way around that. And the the shots last week were not falling, nope. and that was particularly brutal when you can't hit from three. This team's, I mean, if they can't hit from three, then you're basically careening towards a loss. Exactly. Yeah. yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, I, I think the good news is you get to play Kansas State this week, and Kansas State's one and four in Big Twelve play, twelve and six. So you get them at home. That has to be a win. I mean, just has to be. You know, Baylor's yeah. got to rebound here because uh, then you get Texas also uh, at home. And Texas they're starting to play good. well. Yeah, they're 13-5, and 4-1 and in Big 12 play. Uh, so an opportunity here for Baylor to get uh, a win they need to have and then potentially beat Texas and then, again, flip the standings because if you win both of those, you're probably going to be sitting right at the top of the conference.
1: Yeah, it's just very unfamiliar territory, and I know this has led to – it's really been it's kind of a – Not a very fun year when, in every single sport, when things start going south, portions of the fan base start pointing at another coach in the Big 12. You know, in football... In men's basketball, like what is it, a week ago, like you have a couple struggles. Oh, drum tang, drum yep. tang in football, Joey McGuire. Yeah. And we know what the deal is in women's basketball. You know what the LSU Tigers are doing right now. And hey, I mean, that's part of decisions. I mean, not that that Tanger McGuire, well, I guess McGuire was because you could have hired him as head coach, but, um, you know, that's something that Matt Groves, when Kim Mulkey decided to return home to Louisiana, however that situation, you know, ultimately, in the end, ended up where it ended up. I mean, she decides to go home, and, you know, if you want to argue about it beyond that, by all means, but that's kind of where both sides just let it lay. And uh, she's doing well, and that's not at all a surprise, but it's just a double whammy when you are not doing well. And then it's like, but but look over there. And, And it's just weird that it's all kind of culminated in, like, every sport you look at now. You're like, but what about that person over there? It's like, yeah, okay, we get it, but... Uh, yeah, for for women's basketball, not great timing because the Tigers are playing well, but that's to be expected. Yeah, they're eighteen and zero. So yeah, yeah, they're they're on a run, and and you know
2: Baylor has had again. I think everyone's going to make a bigger deal out of it just because of the way the season has gone so far. But Baylor's missing arguably what we're going to be their two best players this year. Mm -hmm. So I think people need to remember that and put that in perspective. And it was something (laughs) that was unexpected. Um, And maybe getting Asia Blackwell, maybe she'll come back and get fully healthy towards the end of the season. Uh, But not having Dre uh, is a big deal. And you're missing two two players that were expected to be potential all-conference type players. I mean that those are big losses. And so you know whatever it's been bad luck that's happened to Baylor quite a bit this year. It feels like in sports. Um, but now I think it's bigger for Nikki Collin to just make sure this team starts trending in the right direction instead of things snowballing, right? That's all you want to see, is that they turn it around a little bit, start playing their best basketball at the end of the year. And if that ends up being, you know, a seven-seed in the NCAA tournament or something like that, that's okay. Because, again, you're missing two of your best players for a large portion of the season, and in Dre Edwards' case, the entire season.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's 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 notable that uh, they've had those those losses or they've had those, you know, Potential impact players or expected impact players not available, but you know how it works. That's not that you're being you're being rational, Grayson. Right? That's not how it works when you're talking about some of these things. But no, you're absolutely right. It's just something to to be mindful of, though, is when you're talking about since 2004. Mm-hmm. That's a long time ago. That's a long time ago, and so uh, very curious to see how they respond, and, and they have an opportunity to do so. A lot of Big Twelve games left. Uh, but, man, we are just rolling right through the season at the same time. So, uh, glad to see Asia Blackwell back. That was huge, and hopefully they can work her in and she can stay healthy, and that would be uh, fantastic. And maybe, yeah, before all of a sudden done, they'll get a little bit of luck breaking their way because they sure have hit on the, the bad luck side of things, it seems like, far more often than they have on the, on the opposite. So, uh, women's basketball out of the top 25, but um, we'll see, like I mentioned, what they do here. And uh, Garrett, uh, check out his work over on Sikkim 365.com as he covers uh, the Bears on a regular basis with game recaps and all of that but they'll have Kansas State uh, in Waco uh, tomorrow night on Wednesday night and then Texas on Sunday at the Farrell Center as well so a big week with two home games before heading to Lubbock um, the following week they'll have a little bit of a break uh, after the two home games and then get to catch their breath a little bit. So to go like 2-0 and would be awesome, get a few days off, and then go head back out on the road. That would be the ideal scenario there. So we will see on that. But can't wait for the men tonight in Lubbock. That ought to be a, a terrific game. All right, uh, anything else before we get into the middle back here? No,
2: let's, let's do it.
1: All right, Scotty B., uh, what percentage do you get Baylor men's basketball against KU on Monday? Just yeah. fast forward in here.
2: Right. So KU's got a very, very big and intriguing week coming up here. Cause they got at Kansas state, which I believe is tonight. And then they play TCU, um, later on this week before playing Baylor, Baylor. I'll say this. If Kansas wins those two games, I'm going to give Baylor a 80% chance to beat them. Like if they're undefeated going into that game, I think Baylor's going to beat them. Um, I think irregardless, though, if they do have a loss, I'm going to put it at 70%. I think that's a game Baylor's going to win. Um, does that mean Baylor's better than Kansas? No, but I think in the Farrell Center, I think that's going to be a tough game for Kansas to win, so I like the Bears in that one. Uh,
1: elsewhere, finally, someone from Baylor Athletics got home wins in 2023 over the weekend. Can I get an amen for that given the first three of 2023 were losses prior to Saturday? What? Yeah. Who's he talking about? Do you know? Uh,
2: yeah. I mean, Baylor, Baylor men's basketball. Okay, right. So, okay, yeah, I guess so. Twenty twenty three with losses. So.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, Amen, Scotty. Uh, first three, yeah, uh, twenty three were prior loss Saturday. Uh, I realize most Baylor fans are disappointed in women's basketball not ranked since oh four back to back losses to unranked teams, but let's not give any knee jerk reactions that I've seen like no ncaa tournament or should have kept kim just stay calm and support the team there are 13 regular season games left which doesn't include big 12 tournament big 12 has five teams with one or two conference losses with no teams ranked higher than 15th right i mean it's kind of like what we talked about
2: They're they've been dealt a tough hand and that's how you respond don't let it snowball find a way to continue to find ways to win games and fans just support your team I mean that, at the end of the day, I mean, what, all of the negative energy towards a sport is not helping at all. Like that's not helping the situation. Now you can have opinions on it; that's fine. Uh, but I would also say realize that Baylor women's basketball has been playing without two of their best players, who are expected to be huge contributors this year.
1: Best week ever. Squirrel healthy yet? Just wanted to be the last person <laughs> to ask. Uh, yeah, I mean oh, that's sad time. That's a sad ending, uh, and most often that question. Uh, was asked, and the answer was no, Um, pretty much almost every time it felt like or just didn't know uh, whether or not he would be available on any given week. So, yeah, is Squirrel healthy yet? I sure hope so for his sake, and good luck to him wherever he goes. And like we said earlier, it would be nice to see him go to, like, the ACC or something so we could actually, you know, just watch and enjoy him and not see how – like, not have to scout where he fits in as far as, you know – in the Big 12 and and returning to McLean for some vengeance or something like that. Uh, But, yeah, definitely wish him the best and and hope he can find that elusive piece of uh, of health. Master Pierce, uh, MPH, can you list the top three recruiters on this football staff regardless of the side of the ball? Yeah, so I guess we're just
2: going with on-the-field coaches here. Um, Eric Mateos is definitely one. uh, He's been elite recruiting the offensive line. I would say uh, Caleb Collins is kind of a young name that's been doing a really nice job at the jack position, outside linebackers. He's been recruiting kind of all over. Uh, He's been helping in different areas, but I think he's done a very nice job recruiting. The third one, I'd probably go with Dennis Johnson. He's a guy that's mentioned a lot that's been recruiting at a high level. Um, Sean Bell, Dallas Baker, they're good recruits as well. But those first three that I named have really done a nice job, and those are three of the names that I would say come up the most when I'm talking to recruits now. It's a little bit tougher because Mateos, it's only the offensive line guys. Um, but in general, that that's kind of how I view it. This is a good staff. I, I know they don't get a ton of credit because they don't have a top, you know, 15 recruiting class like some people want um, but they've done a nice job and what they did through the transfer portal has been huge as well um, and it's been very encouraging to see um, and to see Sean Bell bounce back after you know that kind of crazy situation with Austin Novosad and going out and landing Sawyer Robertson over TCU definitely has been massive for him
1: Ryan Allen Longs with all the new Baylor players moving to Waco this week I wanted want to ask the important question what local <laughs> restaurant would you take them to first and why
2: I, I, you know, I know no one's gonna like this, but I love Georges, so that's where I would be going. Shocker, shocker! I know, not the but crazy it's, take. It's, I'm there's Jacob Pointon. I'm not landing, I'm not landing uh, you know, one of those places that nobody, I guess, outside of Waco's heard of. But I love Georges. That place is classic.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it is. I mean, you can't really go wrong there. It's it's pretty much like if you want to, you know, go with a safe batting average, yeah. uh, go to Georges, and you'll probably walk out. You're always going to have a good experience. Yeah, you walk out with a good experience. So it's yeah, it's it's a good batting percentage to be sure. But yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the default answer. But like I've said previously, there's default answers for a reason. I mean, yeah. it's, it's the easy answer, um, but that could also be the the right answer as well. And and I think most of the time that it, it typically is when you're talking about Waco recommendations. That's 1A or 1B, I think, mm-hmm. almost every time there's a reason for that. Uh, Pop ball bear uh, do you expect the running back room with a new coach to have more total rushing yards in 23 than 22? What about better running back pass protection and options for pass catching? Ooh, good question. Um,
2: I think that they will have around the same total rushing yards as they did this past year. They were They were pretty good this year. They weren't. As good as they were in 2021, but I think they can be as good. Now, pass protection, I think they're going to be better because Dominic Richardson gives them another option there as a pass protector alongside Quaylon Jones. Pass catching, I think maybe they'll be a little bit better because I could see Richard Reese taking a big step in the right direction in that department. As well. So, yeah, I think in general, they're going to be better than they were a season ago. Now, a lot of that may come down to health. A lot of that may come down to just the personnel that they have in the room. Uh, but I do think like Dominic Richardson will be very nice for them. Uh, a second year for Richard Reese will be very good. Qualen Jones continue to develop. Um, I think it's a very good room.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I don't know about like the more yardage and all of that. Um, I, I would suspect that they could, but I think they'll be able to hopefully be able to throw the ball a little bit better, more consistently. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I could see that. I uh, don't have any reason to to rule that out. Uh, Quaylen being back in, in another year uh, should help in, in some of the latter areas that you mentioned. Um, as well, so yeah, I mean, I, I think there's reason for optimism there. FloMo, Mike, uh, going back to 2019, what percentage of each class sees meaningful snaps in their career? Do you think the 23 class beats the average? Thank you for doing this podcast every week. Well, thank you, Mike, for the question. Uh I,
2: I'm not. I did not go through the percentage of each class that plays meaningful snaps. How dare you? I did not. I did not do that. That is just that. That, that's an, I think that's one of those where you just look at the class and you go, were they good or were they not?
1: That's the next on three calculation. Yeah. Percentage of <laughs> yeah. class that plays meaningful snaps. They, that, yeah.
2: It's just hard to really gauge that. Um, 2023 class, though, as far as kind of in relation to the others, uh, this is a really good class. And this is a class that I feel like. Um, will be better than probably all the classes they've had in recent seasons. I think they're going to be really good. They're strong on the offensive line. They address some areas of need um, on the defensive line especially. Um, They really attack that position. So I think this will be a really good class. I think their percentage will be higher than that of the other classes in recent seasons. Um, also, uh, Baylor did hire their running backs coach. Yeah, uh, I just they, got you that. You saw it? Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah,
1: Claire. Baylor football has hired their running backs coach. Uh, Oregon State's A.J. Stewart is heading to Waco uh, to replace Justin Johnson. Uh, let's see here. Uh, yeah, A.J. Stewart looks like it's you know unofficially official, yeah. uh, but making the move from Corvallis also coached uh, – You know, not only the last two years with the Beavers, but prior to that, Arizona had a couple years at BYU because there's Mm -hmm. always that crossover. I was talking about like the Texas Tech Baylor crossover. There's a lot like on the other end of it, like Baylor and BYU crossover. There's been a ton of that, but it was at BYU for a couple years. And also Rice for about four seasons prior to that. So from Rice to BYU to Arizona to Oregon State and now to Baylor, AJ Stewart. Uh, the Beavers were 10 and 3. They've got a good thing going on uh, up there uh, in Corvallis. And I did, as a matter of fact, last night when I saw the rumor pop up about AJ Stewart, I did, it made me think of BJ Baylor, who's a Texas guy who mm-hmm. graduated after last year. I know that there were other things in play outside of just the hired of A.J. Stewart, but if you look at B.J. Baylor's junior to senior numbers, he goes from, like, a few hundred yards to, like, 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns, and I realize he got, like, 200 more carries. All Pac-12 first team, too. Yeah, he got a bunch more carries, so obviously he was either, you know, just... Getting into the system or was sharing or what have you behind guys two years ago. But then last year, he was like the guy and yeah. was one of the better running backs in America, uh, statistically in the country. And I remember that very well because every week with the Earl Campbell Award, it was like BJ Baylor, man, Texas kids out there killing it. And now they've got Damian Martinez, who's a good player as well at quarterback up there. But regardless, A.J. Stewart, new running backs coach. You got any
2: immediate thoughts on that? Well, this is the guy that you
1: were alluding to earlier, and this was
2: kind of the guy who had been trending in Baylor's direction. Um, The key stat that you mentioned on B.J. Baylor, first Oregon State running back to lead the conference in rushing since, Steven Jackson. What a name. In 2003, a guy who had a great NFL career as well. So, just fantastic. He did something that really Oregon State hasn't done a lot by developing BJ Baylor like that. And he's done a really nice job during his career. He obviously has a relationship with Jeff Grimes. Um, this is a great hire. I, I think one thing with him that's going to come into play is how well can he recruit? And I, I don't know that I have a for sure answer to that quite yet, but I think we will get an answer in the near future because in this next class, they're probably only going to take ro- one running back. Um, so who's that going to be? Who's he going to target? Because they took two in this past class. Um, but he's going to come into a position that's loaded with depth. Now it's about developing that group into an elite group. and So you could see someone like Richard Reese really take a big step in the right direction um, after a great freshman season or you know whoever. Um, but I, I think what we've seen from him is that he can develop talent. Now we just need to figure out can he develop or can he be a great recruiter as well.
1: Adam Rittenberg of ESPN also reporting he will be assistant head coach. Oh wow! Yes, so Big that news is there notable. Okay. Um, I guess they needed to also give juice the passing game. I guess that was the Maybe, tipping point. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's the extra title. Yeah, wow. So that is that is obviously notable. But Baylor has hired their running backs coach. That's breaking breaking news. <laughs> AJ Stewart from Oregon State, and uh, there is some previous crossover there. So yeah, that's uh, that's good stuff there, and. um Good to have that uh, finalized and, and all official. So that pretty much answers that every staff question outside of, like, who's covering special teams, basically, at this yeah. point. And that can all get figured out, obviously, uh, in the next few weeks. But, all right, so we got that breaking news. Welcome aboard A.J. Stewart, and we'll get to learn a lot more about him uh, as the weeks go along. Let's close out with some some questions here. Uh, let's see. Um, Run James Taylor. Yeah, James is answering Scotty's question no about uh, now that this is – not that this is my question, but to go from winning the Big 12 literally every season to where we are is a huge setback, even more so when Kim literally changed the program around as number three in the country and undefeated. Turning a blind eye to that won't make it better. Sorry, no, this is for questions. Right, uh, Zitwatineho Bear. Will this be the last week of the Bearcast questions? I can't imagine any way to fill out the mailbag without squirrel questions. Well, Zitwatineho Bear, uh, no, we will we'll keep uh, moving on along here. But you know, we will miss the squirrel question. You know, on occasion, asking about his health status in like you know mid March and then mid June and then of course in August and then right. really all year round, we got squirrel questions. So we'll miss a part of that. James Taylor 1, I love what you guys do. Thanks for being here every week. Well, thank you. All right, uh, we might have to pair some of these down here. It's a lot, but uh, watching Juice have had me thinking in my time, never seen such staff turnover in college football like we've seen in Aranda. Might be missing someone, but only Sean Bell and – Dennis Johnson remained from the original staff. That's not to mention changes from Corey Campbell and a bunch of off-field guys. Uh, Does that hyper-churn concern you any? Obviously noting that some have been promotions. Well, a bunch of those have been promotions. Like, a bunch of those have been promotions. Uh, And also, I can think of... Like Corey Campbell, they made the move and they won a Big Twelve title the following year with Vic Valore. Right, they wanted to make that yeah, move. Yeah. Like that uh, was a need. Joe uh,
2: Wickline to Eric Mateos yeah, wanted to make that move. Uh, yeah. Larry Fedora to Jeff Grimes. But wanted in general. To make that I mean, we can like, they could
1: name like ten of them that needed and were Dave Aranda like, decisions that were, you know, like obviously that COVID year kind of made every hire initially sort of strange and, and Fedora is one that immediately jumps to mind. Uh, but so's Campbell. He's now with Rule at Nebraska, so he's fine. He's landed on his feet. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, there has been turnover. I'd say it's a combination, though, of just the industry. It's guys getting, a lot of guys getting promotions, especially out in Lubbock. Yeah. Um, and then there's, you know, just wanting guys to leave because you don't think that they're doing their job very well. And there's been a handful of those guys. And then there's, you know, there's guys going from two, like, off field, like, analyst roles to then getting you know, better positions as they climb up the ladder. So there's a combination of things at play here, but does the hyper churn, as he calls it, does, does that concern you at all? No, it really doesn't. I think most of the moves that Dave Aranda
2: has made, like himself actually deciding we need to move to this from this, have worked out. So I'm curious if it works out in this situation. I think it will. Um, the moves that they've made this off season, going from Ron Roberts to Matthew Palage, I think that's going to work out really well. We'll see. That's to be decided. But, um, I think right now I'm not concerned because it's the nature of college football, like you mentioned, and also because I simply trust Dave Aranda based on what he's been able to do during his time at Baylor, which is make adjustments when needed, um, and I think he's done that. And you're going to lose some guys when they get promotions; that's going to happen. Um, but the ones that they, you know, decided to move on from, I think have been
1: they've done a great job replacing those. Uh, also, love what we did with the portal, especially replacing quarterback room with Robertson after the Nova debacle. Looking back, we seem to have a hard time landing DBs and receivers in the portal and high school ranks. We seem to be in a ton of guys, make top twos, but never seem to really close with a few exceptions. Why do you think that is, and how does that change?
2: Uh, I... I think that's a little bit harsh. Um, I mean, the 2023 class was not going to be a huge wide receiver, heavy class. Once they got Micah Gifford, they kind of moved on from that position. Um, then they went out, got Keatron Jackson, who is phenomenal. Um, You'll see that this season, but that's a huge get uh, at the wide receiver position. Um, and then, obviously, Armani Winfield, yeah, he's one dimension, but so is Jordan Neighbors. Like, keeping Jordan Neighbors in that 2022 class was massive. He's very, very good, a guy who I think is going to be uh, very productive uh, at Baylor. They also went out and got Hal Presley out of the transfer portal as well. So I, I kind of disagree with that at wide receiver. Defensive back's a little bit different because I think they've recruited at a pretty high level. They've landed most of the guys they wanted to land. They even landed Alfonso Allen late in that cycle. Um, But in the portal, they haven't shown the same amount of success. They got Isaiah Dunson, but I think there's more work uh, to be done there. But on the flip side, I think they like the guys in their room. I think that could also be indicative of why they haven't put out a ton of safety offers. Uh, I know everyone's down on their safety group, but the fact of the matter is, If they were just ultra concerned with it, they would have put out more offers at that position. So maybe they like what they have in the room, like the guys they've recruited, or at least want to give them a chance to see what they can do during spring football. So... I'm not ultra concerned with it quite yet. Now, if they continue, you know, if they go out and miss on a bunch of guys, that could be more problematic. But again, Baylor's not going to go out and get five star receivers super easily. Same with five star cornerbacks. Uh, Those are premium positions that are just simply hard to land a guy like that.
1: Speaking of DB, seems like the one position we got worse post portal when you think, all right. Seems like that is the one position we got worse at in post-portal when you think we lost Johnson and Walcott and just replaced with the single DB from Miami. How important is it to add another DB before the season starts? Why do you think we didn't fight harder to keep Walcott, for example, for insurance, or find a way to make situations work like when SMU took the LSU transfer? Yeah, I think, again, it's kind
2: of simplifying it because it might mean that Baylor likes the guys they have in their room. Like, for instance... Al Walcott leaves, well, maybe they think Alfonso Allen's going to be better than him. And you get Alfonso Allen for three seasons instead of Al as a one-year rental, Um, essentially. I know he's not a rental because he was on the staff, but Arkansas is getting him on a rental. They get him for one season. Uh, Lorando Johnson, uh, kind of a different situation. Um, Again, I've mentioned it multiple times. I think they're going to take another cornerback. I just don't see any way they don't. Um, so I think right now, yeah, it might be bad. They only have Isaiah Dunson, but I think they're going to go out, find another one at some point and it'll make that look much, much better. Um, but I guess it's just me reiterating the fact that they didn't recruit safety transfers extremely hard. And for that reason, it makes me think they want to see what they have on campus before they go out and try to find uh, safeties who may not be an upgrade there.
1: All right, couple more and we gotta get through here. James, do appreciate it. What was the calculus to let Williams go? Talking about Squirrel Williams. I know he's older, was our clear difference maker last year at running back, with Tay potentially retiring and Baylor getting Dominic Richardson. Why not find a way to get him on the roster? I I mean,
2: clear he was the clear difference maker. Yeah, I, I would say Richard Reese was their clear yeah. difference maker. I, I don't agree with that at all. Um I think that Reese is better than Squirrel, and then you throw into the fact that they got Dominic Richardson, who I think is a different type of running back than what they had on the roster last year, it makes me think that, yeah, it's a loss, but also you don't need four running backs on your roster to contribute, in my opinion. It's a tough loss. Everyone's emotional about it. I understand that, but if you really look at it, dive deep into where Baylor was successful, they're not losing their best running back on the roster. They're just simply not. And Squirrel was probably gonna be their third option next year alongside Dom Richardson. Finally,
1: what is your ultimate call on Nikki Collin? Watching LSU turn it around like it has and watching what we have now. It would seem like a clear step back. What is your ultimate prediction on the kind of success she will have with hindsight being twenty twenty? Do you bite the bullet and keep Kim or go down the route Mac chose? Go
2: down the road the route Mac Rhodes chose. I thought because, Kim
1: wanted to go back home to Louisiana. Yeah.
2: Well I, I trust Mac Rhodes in these situations. He's done a fantastic job uh, which co- with coaching searches and the guys he's brought in. I, I think Nikki Collin's going to be just fine. Now, will she be as successful as Kim Mulkey? I don't know. Kim Mulkey's a Hall of Fame coach. like It's hard to replace someone like that, but I think Nikki Collin will have success with the Baylor women's basketball program. This year, she's just been dealt a really tough hand, in my opinion.
1: I mean, I would agree it's a clear step back from nearly going undefeated every year. I mean, yeah, um, I don't have an ultimate call on Nikki Collin. I'm reserving to wait for more, um, which I'm, you know, I have the right to do, but because I haven't formed a full, like, final opinion on her at this stage. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it's a step back results-wise. I don't know what kind of success she'll ultimately have. I'm just sitting back and watching like everybody else. But, um, no, in hindsight, I don't bite the bullet and and keep everything the way that it was. I I don't think we're all privy to just what the the behind-the-scenes was like. And if you listen to Kim tell it, then she decided to go back to Louisiana. So, I mean, I'll take her at her word. I know everybody disagrees with that. There's Camp Kim that thinks that, like, Mac Rhodes forced her out or that he could have kept her and blah, blah, blah. And, like, I really don't care to rehash that. I just, I'm sorry, I don't. I'm over it, and I understand that it's going to be a continued storyline, especially when they're undefeated and Collins like, dropping out of the top 25. I totally get it, but, like, I mean, I no, in hindsight, I know in the situation that it was, I still think that, yeah, you were... You were basically, you know, in a situation where you made the decision to move on, and I don't slight them for that because there's a, there's, a, there's a line for everybody, you know, ultimately. But she wanted to go back home to Louisiana, and I suppose that they could have changed that. But, you know, I, I don't think anybody's regretting it just yet. We'll see, but I, I don't think anybody's regretting it even, re, even with the results. So, you know, let that tell you kind of how it is, I guess. Um, But appreciate the question. Uh, it is something that is going to be, obviously, debated for the foreseeable future.
2: Definitely. Uh, yeah. and,
1: and that's understandable. RG4, which 2023 true freshman could you see playing a significant role in the upcoming season? Yeah, that's a tough question.
2: Um, you know, I think the one that I'm kind of looking at is maybe a uh, – man, their running back room so loaded. I So I really like Sean Tompkins, their offensive lineman out of Georgia. I think he's a guy who could come in and potentially start at right tackle, um, maybe – uh, it's going to take time, though, because he's coming in in the summer. That makes me have a little pause there. I think Bryson Washington could contribute the running back position early. That wouldn't shock me at all um, if he's kind of that third or fourth back. And then finally, probably the guy that, that probably has the best chance, I would say, just kind of looking at their needs on the roster, um, is Trey Wilson the defensive end slash outside linebacker prospect out of Lakeview Centennial. He's enrolling early, plays a position of need, uh, kind of already has a thick frame that could play early. So I'll go with him.
1: All right. Uh, call your shot. Who are the next three commits in the 24 class? Jaden Porter needs some friends to join the group texts.
2: Yeah, that's uh, that's an interesting question. I think Junior Day could provide uh, some news on that. I think Colton Siraki, uh, the offense lineman out of the Woodlands, it's kind of – Crazy they still uncommitted because it just seems like it's always been trending in Baylor's direction, but he hasn't committed yet. Of course, his brother Caden is on the team, so he's been to Baylor a ton. So he'd be one. Um, Other guys, I think Ridgepoint wide receiver Mason Dossett, he's another one to look at. His dad, of course, played football and ran track at Baylor. Mason has offers from Baylor for both track and for football. Uh, I think he could be another one to keep an eye on. And finally, a a third one, Um, let's go with Lumberton. Uh, outside linebacker Brock Jackson. He'd be another one to keep an eye on. Baylor's very high on his list, has been for a while, um, and he'd be a great one to land. A very good football player, good on the edge. Also best friends with Jasper linebacker Ty Anthony Smith, who's one of the best linebacker prospects in the country. So some good news there. Those guys will all be on the junior day visit as well coming up January 29th.
1: Very nice. So just uh, 12 days from the moment we're recording this and uh just recruiting never stops, huh? Even never. you know, dead period with the portal coming up, you think maybe it slows down a little bit, but no, we got junior days right around the corner, so Yep, right on to that twenty twenty four class. Z uh let's see here. Uh Scotty B's back. Give Nikki more time. Okay, let's <laughs> come on, y'all, <laughs> like please, man. Give Nikki more time. It takes time to get used to a new system, and we had a lot of new faces this year, as well as Injury Bug and No Dre Edwards. LSU's played one-ranked team all year when compared to Baylor's six. I don't want this fan base to be like Texas, who wants to fire coaches after a bad year with unrealistic expectations in their mind. Thank you, Scotty. ZT Smith, 423. Is someone hired outside the current staff to coach... Special teams, or is that position filled internally, in your opinion? So I
2: think it's going to be a responsibility that is delegated to one of their position coaches, kind of like it has been over the past few years. But that position coach will also have help with guys on the roster who are kind of quality control types, um, who have been there managing. Um, Coach Amand is one of them. Uh, And I think think Brian said that uh, Coach McCarrion is another one. Um, But anyways, my point being, they're going to have help because they got to coach their position, but in general, that position's usually given out to one of the position coaches, so I anticipate that happening.
1: Yeah, I mean, Matt Pallage. when we talked to him, we asked him about that. He's going to be coaching safeties and D coordinators, so he's just not going to have time on his plate for that. And, not surprising. Yeah, I mean, yeah. That, you wouldn't expect we – weren't, we weren't hiring him for his special teams expertise per se, um, although he's had success with that. But, yeah, he's, he's coming in to coach defense, and – uh, they'll, they'll figure it out, but that is an area where they're going to have a lot of turnover, obviously. And they're reworking the scholarships in that room. So, um, think that they'd try to get that back more to its 2021 look than what we saw last year, where it was kind of, there's some good things, but it was a little spottier than it was the year prior. No even with the entire room, basically coming back, it was kind of strange, um, all right, here we go again. James Taylor won. Not that this is the thread for this, but I agree I don't want – this is about Kim again. I agree I don't want to get someone fired after one bad season, but you can't look at what KM's done the last two seasons, look at where we are now and not say to yourself we got worse. I love support of the program, but not NC, Nikki Collin had one good season – in, uh in women's basketball her best quality can't be that she is easier to get along with with KM. KM's a winner and a proven one. We are no man's land right now. All that dynasty we built could go away and quick. So. Okay. I
2: I mean, listen, Kim we did got a great job. We know that. Yeah. We we know that. We understand that. We know Nikki is not the team's not performing at that level currently. We understand that. We got it.
1: Yeah. That's that's But she's it. gone. Yeah. She's gone. Got to move she, on. She she decided to go to LSU um And that was now over a year ago. Uh, It's clear, and it's very easy to say right now, yes, Kim Mulkey's a better coach than Nikki Collin. She's a Hall of Famer. Um, But she's not coming back. She's not here. She's not coming back. And, you know... If this is about Nikki Collin, then like we said a few minutes ago, let's see how it plays out the rest of the year. It's not great right at the moment with them falling out of the top 25, first time in a long time, first time in 20 years, but it is what it is. Like, it's not changing, and she's the coach the rest of the year, so it's best to just throw your support behind her and this team and hope that they can stay healthy and see how they do the rest of the way and any talk about like this or that or what ifs or whatever that can wait for more towards the off cuz it's not going to do them any good right now to sit and speculate about the coach that used to be here that's not going to you know really uh you know create any any positive energy for them not saying you got to be blind and just you know root no matter what i totally get where you're coming from but it's just it's it's not changing it is what it is and that that's not going to you know magically turned back into what it was. It's over. She's at LSU now. Uh Eibol, what freshman transfer are you most excited to watch in the spring? Uh, freshman, Bryson Washington. Transfer, Sawyer Robertson. Uh, yeah, Sawyer Robertson, uh, definitely, you know, with the, the quarterback situation being what it is, who'd you say freshman-wise? Bryson Washington. Yeah,
2: thank you. Yeah, I just, his right high school with career you. is unbelievable. I will say Keetron Jackson is kind of right there with Sawyer Robertson as far as a transfer. They they really need to hit at wide receiver. They need him to be very good.
1: Why well, limit it? There's like 20 yeah, people. Let's be are. excited about all of them. Let's no, answer I mean, a bunch of them. There yeah. are, I mean, there are multiple guys, though. You don't have to really limit it. There's a bunch of guys on either side that uh, that are going to be exciting and you know, really hopefully shake things up in a positive way. For the record, I would rather not lose by 58 in the national championship game. Same here. Same here. That would be embarrassing, wouldn't it? But you got there. That's what I was told. That's all that matters was that you got there, not that it was the worst bowl loss of all time. You know, I put out a tweet, and it got some reaction. Like I was like, would you rather have Baylor's season where you won the Big 12 we title and Sugar yeah, Bowl? we talked about it yeah. last week. Crazy. And I got a bunch yeah. of – I got some – I mean, some understandable responses. And I go, I can't believe you asked the question. It's like, okay, dude, I can't believe that. I, I, I think it's a legitimate question. Still think it's a legitimate question, as ugly as that was. I understand. I'd side with TCU probably still. But you can't tell me I'm stupid for at least pondering that question when you're losing by 58 and Georgia's ordering chicken wings on the sideline <laughs> in the third quarter <laughs> right out of halftime. Trevor Mack, I hear rumored that, Rumors that Texas has a big name ready to add to Sark's staff. Do you have any idea who that might be? Uh, For, wrong podcast. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I unless don't. you're thinking that it's a Baylor guy um, that could be added. Well, I saw a rumor about what Dallas, Dallas Baker, Baker's name, wide receivers coach. Yeah, but um, but I don't. I thought
2: they. I thought there were rumors about an NFL coach, but I don't know for sure. I don't follow Texas closely enough to know, but I know Dallas yeah. Baker's name was mentioned.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's there's that, but I don't know if there's anything more than other than being mentioned because it was even the one I saw was like him and a bunch of other guys or you know potential candidates or what have you. Um, but yeah, Trevor, no idea on on Sark uh, and who he could be adding to his coaching staff. And uh, Trevor will close us out. What are you hearing on our next running backs coach? Well, glad that you asked. Because, uh, of course, as you're listening to this, we just announced that a few minutes ago as that news broke. Uh, A.J. Stewart from Oregon State, the new Baylor running backs coach replacing Justin Johnson. So A.J. Stewart, the name, and uh, that answers your question. Uh, So we do appreciate you being a part of the mailbag this week. And uh, more coming down. I haven't seen a whole bunch of follow-up on A.J. Stewart outside of that one Adam Rittenberg tweet that he will also be assistant head coach. Mm -hmm. So that is uh obviously very notable and yeah looking forward to to hearing more about him and and learning more but obviously there's there's some connections there that yeah. have, have you know come into play from his days at BYU. I think he also knew Aranda a bit. Um, Mm -hmm. Not positive on that, but I thought I read about some crossover last night on the board. So that was a name that was floating out there, and there seemed to be some smoke behind that. And, in fact, today he is announced as the guy. So, man, a lot of ground covered uh, in this week's episode. My goodness. Uh, You got everybody, nearly 20 names from the portal and the high school ranks now on campus. You've got a new running backs coach in uh, A.J. Stewart just announced from... Oregon State you've got uh, the loss of the running backs coach and Justin Johnson you've got the big quarterback question answered as far as at least one name goes and Sawyer Robertson although you've mentioned Tristan Jebia as a potential and he'd also be an Oregon State guy by the yep. way yep, uh, but uh, that's a connection that maybe comes into play uh, but he could very well uh, add some more depth we will see on that and uh yeah man this uh This college football thing, it never slows down, does it? Never, never. Neither does
2: recruiting, which has been kind of, especially with the portal, hot and heavy over the last few weeks. And then now we got junior day. I mean, just so much going on recruiting and football-wise. I'm just excited for, you know, the dead period to get here and then spring ball to start up.
1: Yeah, Transfer Portal close-up shop here in, what, two days? And yeah. so that'll at least give us a little bit of a reprieve from that. Could be some action on Baylor's end, although that's not in their control, as best as I can tell, on uh, trying to potentially add another name mm-hmm. before then. So we will see how that plays out. But um, there is you know, movement behind the scenes as far as trying to, to make some other things happen. So uh, we'll obviously keep you updated on that on the Sikkim 365 com premium boards uh basketball men in action tonight women need to bounce back um and i appreciate the questions and i hope i was clear and kind of how i answered that as respectfully as i could but it's just we're not going to play hindsight game over and over but uh, i do think that uh, you know some winning would would go a long way for Nikki collin and company so we'll see if they can't bounce back uh this week as well grayson uh, anything before we go here no man? just be sure stay on uh
2: Sikkim 365 premium site if you're not a member Join. Go check it out. We have a lot of content, a lot of really cool features, lots of news and notes. We're about to get baseball really ramped up as that season's kind of right around the corner. Football recruiting, football notes, um, all kinds of stuff uh, on the premium side. And, of course, 365 Sports Radio, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6. Check that out on the YouTube channel as well.
1: Yeah, I'll be back with Paul here in a couple of hours from now, a little less than a couple of hours and we'll be talking, uh, obviously, A.J. Stewart, but also a lot of what's going on in college football and, you know, NFL as well. Cowboys with a big playoff win uh, last night. I know Paul definitely wants to talk about that. He's he's Barely ever seen one of those before, so I'm sure he'll want to reflect in, in all of that glory. But that was, in all seriousness, a good win for them, so we'll be touching on that and a lot of other things as well coming up today at 3. But until next time, thanks to Garrett Ross. This has been the BearCast for Grayson Grunhafer. I'm Craig Smoke on sickum 365com